are entering the Freedom Hut. President Trump signs an executive order that will stop children and parents from being separated at the border. And guess what? His critics still hate him. They aren't giving him any credit for it. In fact, they're just going to continue to complain and try to push for a de facto open border status while pretending that they are reasonable and just want legislation to fix problems. We'll get into that, plus the latest on where the IG report is going to lead us next in the hunt to find the deep state collaborators. That and more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. We're signing an executive order. I consider it to be a very important executive order. It's about keeping families together while at the same time being sure that we have a very powerful, very strong border and border security will be equal, if not greater, than previously. It continues to be a zero tolerance. We have zero tolerance for people that enter our country illegally. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you here with me. Oh, what a day in the news cycle. I actually just got back from the the White House. I was over there a few minutes ago talking to some folks about what's been going on here. And uh, let me tell you, I knew it. I think you did, too. Here we are. Trump has we have had stories and stories and people crying and audio of babies crying. I mean, they could not have pushed this whole narrative of. Trump is mean and heartless any more than they did. I mean, they were talking about how it's it's like Birken, uh, Buchenwald or Auschwitz or uh, uh, Birkenau, you know, different concentration camps, like the not, like the internment of the Japanese uh, during World War II. All these different things, child abuse. We play this. Oh my gosh, President Trump, you must do something. President Trump, do something, please. And guess what? The president did something. Signed an executive order, said we will no longer separate families. Now, I just want to, I just want to, do you think, do you think that they respond to this by saying, wow, well, president, uh, we really appreciate you hearing us out. We think that uh, this is an area where we've found some common ground, and we're just glad that the children now are going to be in a better situation. And that's not what happened. Now they're just going crazy saying Trump is locking up whole families. Oh, what a surprise. I thought the problem was the kids were separated from the parents. Now it's Trump is locking up families. You see? So so they goaded the administration into changing the policy so that you won't have parents separate from kids. And now the game they're playing is, oh, my gosh, they're going to put parents and children, entire families in these cages? So I, I guess what they want is that no one gets detained. That means open borders, folks. That means show up to the border with a kid and you're good. You get to stay. I mean, come on. And they keep saying, oh, no, they'll they'll go through the, the legal asylum process now. Now the world will get out about the legal asylum process. Guess what? A lot of people won't get legal asylum. Are they going to be deported? Because that's what's supposed to happen. The administration also is not recognizing domestic violence or gang violence as grounds for asylum. So 
and just being, uh, you know, seeking a better life economically, that doesn't count either. So you got all these people now that are showing up at the border that are going to be sent home. And Democrats aren't okay with that. But this was never, what have I been telling you folks? And I know you know, right? This is, guys, you are, you are my sanity. You know, I'm here in the swamp. I'm here trying to deal with the deep state. And, and I'll be talking to you more about how this is kind of fun now. The buck is running sources. I mean, I'm, I'm going to war with the liars here in D.C. And I'm in the trench with the Trump team. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I get to sit here and finally talk to you, sane, normal Americans. Dare I just say sane, normal human beings that do not suffer from some symptom of mass delusion where you think that we're about to fall into Nazism or fascism or that Trump is, you know, hates babies and children. I mean, just crazy. I'm surrounded by Because, yeah, the White House, you know, you got senior officials here that are Republican, but D.C. is a blue, blue, blue city. 90% plus Democrat voting here in the last election. And this is, this is you know, the, the deep state's hometown, folks. Don't forget it. I am in, I'm behind enemy lines here, deep in the swamp. But on this issue, it is just hard to imagine how anybody could take Schumer, Kamala Harris, Pelosi, the mainstream media, CNN, all these others that are out there, take them seriously. They've been... They've been losing their minds now over how it's so terrible. The babies, the children, the border. Oh, what are we going to do? And now Trump's take now Trump takes action. And the same people that are saying or were saying that Trump is a monster and talking about Nazism. Because there are a couple thousand kids who have shown up at the border, either with people we don't know of their parents or with no parents. And they're in facilities where they're clean, they're fed, they're housed, they're safe. But, you know, yeah, it's not. It's not a, an episode of Captain Kangaroo, right? I mean, it's it's not perfect. I get it. But they're all they're also not running summer camps at the border. That's not what they're supposed to. It's not a giant daycare center. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement is really not supposed to be in the business of warehousing thousands and thousands of kids. The Obama administration created this problem with its lawlessness. Trump is trying to fix it. But now that he's just trying to fix this one part of it for now, you know, if it could save just one Eight-month-old baby from being traumatized, being separated from his mother. Shouldn't Democrats agree? Oh no, they don't. They're not agreed on this one. Don't just take my word for it. I'll, I'll give you some some evidence here, some examples. Kamala Harris. I mentioned her, senator and possible presidential contender in 2020. She wrote this: "This executive order doesn't fix the crisis. Indefinitely detaining children with their families in camps is inhumane and will not make us safe." Well, here's the problem with that. The Flores Consent Decree, which is a law that's still in the books from, uh, what, 1997, I think, from the 1990s, says that you can only detain them for up to 20 days. Children can only be detained for up to 20 days. So guess what? They're going to have to expedite the process now of asylum claims very quickly. I don't know how they'll do it or if they'll be able to do it. But it would not be legal to keep the children beyond 20 days. That's going to be, And then they'll challenge that in courts, too. But they're not happy. They're not celebrating. They're not pleased that the president has listened to this coordinated campaign to make this seem like a huge issue, a terrible problem that has fallen on the shoulders of the American people here. Um, and you've got journalists. Here's a journalist. It doesn't matter. He's a blue check lefty journalist. He wrote, let's be clear. Trump's solution to the problem of treating children inhumanely by separating from their parents is to break the law and remove legal protections for children that prevent their indefinite detention. 
oh, I get the game now. So you see, now the law is the law. Earlier this week, if you said the law is the law, you were fascist, you were Nazi, you hate babies, and probably Santa Claus too. That was the Democrat Party line. That's what they were all saying. And Rachel Maddow tearing up on TV, the whole thing. Right? Everyone's all so upset about this. And you say, look, the law is the law. We're society laws. Oh, how dare you? You don't. You just don't care about babies. You probably hate puppies too. And didn't send your father a nice card for Father's Day. You know that. That's what we were hearing. And now, oh my gosh, how can you do this? You're going to detain whole families and violate the law and how long you can keep children together with their families and. So now the law is the law, even if it means that it's harder to keep families together. Here's the real here's the real deal. Here's the real point. They want all of them to be able to stay. They will not be satisfied as long as we have immigration laws that do not allow anyone from an impoverished, developing, or third world nation who is likely to vote Democrat to show up here, stay here, and that's it. American people are realizing this, at least a lot of us are, and we got a problem with it. If you think I'm exaggerating, which I know you probably don't, but if you do, here is a uh here is a, a congressional candidate. Do we have this guy who's saying that we should shut yeah, Democrat Matt Hagman Hagman says that we should in a campaign ad uh well, I'll let him say it. Play clip six. ICE under Trump targets children. In Congress, I'll work to close ICE down. We can protect our borders without being cruel to kids. Donna Shalala, she's had her chance. It's time for a new day. I'm Matt Hagman, and I approve this message. Shut ICE down. That's what he said. Folks, this is the equivalent of somebody saying, hey, you know, there's all these arrests that are happening in this high-crime neighborhood. Let's just Let's just get rid of the... Let's just get rid of the police. Let's just tell them that we don't need them anymore. Because, you know, the, the police are targeting criminals. That needs to stop. Excuse me, police. Can you stop with all your targeting of criminals? We have laws in the books. Folks, we have laws about a lot of things that aren't about not being a mass murderer. You know, there's all kinds of laws. One of them is like paying your taxes. You know, what happens if you don't do that? They're going to send you to prison. Why? Because that's the law. Is it fair? Is it right? Ah, they don't care. It's the law. That's the way things are. Democrats have embraced lawlessness because in the pursuit of political power, nothing can be allowed to stand in the way. But the turnaround here, the the shamelessness and the breakneck speed with which they have just shifted from, oh my gosh, you can't you can't split up families to you mean you're gonna detain whole families at once, you monster. These these people have no scruples, no principles, nothing. It's just a game to them. And and you know what you know what really bothers me almost as much as anything else about this? It was never really about the kids. And what did I tell you? I said I said, listen to me, man. Anytime the government, especially the Democrats, say it's for the children, we're doing this for the children. They're usually lying. They're usually lying. And 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 they're and they're saying it so that they can get away with doing things they should not be allowed to do. And they were lying here all along. You know, I saw a, a headline earlier today you know, that Trump is going to reverse you know, his policy on... It's not his policy. It's just, it is the law. But you see this fascinating 
is fascinating. You know, white is black, black is white, up is down, left is right, right is left. Now the law has become a problem in and of itself. To believe that the law has meaning is to put constraints on progressivism that it will not accept in our current era. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow for there to be codes that they just can't reinterpret or ignore at will. And that also reminds me that, by the way, the executive order is not the right way to fix this. I, I Politically, I understand when the president did it. Emotionally, I understand when the president you know, probably just had enough of all the nonsense and, and decided, fine, well, we'll, we'll, we'll change this policy. But this needs to be an act of Congress. We need the people who have the constitutional authority to write and pass laws to do that. And this is one of those issues. This is one of them. By the way, I've got some really interesting audio to share with you guys from a, an interview down at the border with a, a member of uh, Border Patrol that gave CNN some answers that I didn't think they were expecting. You're definitely going to want to hear that. Uh, we'll get into this and, and, and oh, oh, so much more, my friends. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. The, uh, the Freedom Hut train is just getting, just getting rocking. So stay right there. Unfortunately, I haven't yet had a chance to read the order itself, but I, we know two things. Number one, the likelihood that this order means that families will be incarcerated together, meaning the children will be incarcerated with the parents, is high. So long as these parents are being prosecuted criminally, they will be separated from their children, and the children will be separated from their parents for at least a few days. So she hasn't read it. That was an activist that they put an immigration activist, which another way of saying, you know, open borders internationalist uh, that they put on CNN. And she keeps saying, you know, if they're prosecuted criminally, what else are they going to do? You know, we, we really have to start asking Democrats, activists, people in the media that pretend to be objective, need to start asking them the question, does everyone get to does everyone get to stay? If not, who? Who doesn't get to stay? Who doesn't get to come here? It's not that hard to get to America. A plane ride away, or if you're coming from south of the border, it's, you know, a walk or a, a, a truck or a bus ride, right? It's not hard. So do we not turn anyone away anymore? Is that what's going to happen? Because, folks, at some point, we're going to have to say, you know what? I'm just actually not going to pay taxes anymore. At some point, I'm not going to obey the laws either, if, if this is what's going to happen. If we don't have a country anymore, if we don't have sovereignty, if it's just, you know, a rest stop in a soup kitchen for the whole world, anyone can come and go as they as they please without so much as the buy your leave. We got a big problem. I think that's what Democrats want. I would like them to explain if if a child and a parent arrives right now at our southern border and says, I want to come to America. Is it the Democrat position that they get to stay or that they are turned away and deported? They won't answer the question, because as far as we can tell, they say that uh, everybody should stay. Nobody should be turned away. And it's just completely, uh, completely and utterly outrageous. By the way, for, for those who, who forget this, you know, Trump is mean. He's a Nazi. He's the worst and everything else. This is the kind of stuff that Obama actually used to say about illegal immigration. Play 18. You know, we are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law 
uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. See, Democrats don't really believe any of that. This is this is one of the great Democrat Party head fakes of of our modern era here. Just like Democrats are contemptuous of of Christians who who are believers, they really are. They pretend not to be, but the Democrat Party at its core is a, is an anti-Christian party. I know there are a lot of Christians who are Democrats. I get that. I know there are Marxist Catholics and all kinds of stuff going on there, but ultimately if atheism has a home in government it's with the democrat party and they they that's why they're you know they're okay with obama talking about god and bill clinton talking about god as long as it kind of fools enough of the country that they can institute godless anti-theist policies uh like abortion on demand for all nine months of a pregnancy and uh, essentially eradicating freedom of religion in, in american life and society right that that's all coming from the democrats coming from the left but they lie about immigration too. They they don't care about immigration security. They don't want they don't want the border to be secure. They they love this. The more the merrier, right? To, to turn turn America into a giant refugee camp. They could care less. And when you start to think about what this would really mean over the long term, it changes the character of this country. It would change the character of this country. You know, assimilation is, you know, those of you who have any experience cooking, right? You know, if you're going to if you're making a sauce and you have to reduce that sauce, you can add some and then you cook and you reduce it down. It becomes a part of the dish. You add some, you cook, you reduce it down. If you just flood the dish with a whole bunch of, of let's say it's white wine or something, you can ruin it, right? You have to do it as you go. You can't just pour in a big thing and then serve it on a plate. It's going to be a sloppy mess, right? You, you can overwhelm the system. You know, the bathtub can flow over, so to speak. We can only handle so much. This isn't about assimilation. This is about fundamentally transforming the demographic character of the United States in favor of a statist left-wing social Democrat party. That's what's really at heart here. That is the mission. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. They are facing certain death and they want to come to a country that they believe where they at least have a smidgen of hope. This is an abomination. It is dictatorial. It is inhumane. It is diabolical. And that is why you have supporters of President Trump who have been with him on everything up until now. His evangelical leaders so are saying that this is disgusting and it should have stop now. We have infants that are being taken from their mothers. We have infants that are stolen from their mothers and put into cages. Keep kids in child internment camps indefinitely and hidden away from public view. What country is that? Anyone who's getting hysterical over children being separated from their parents this needs is to not hysterica. That there this are is not hysterical. This is child abuse. Keep screaming. How dare you? How dare you? This is not hysterical. I am totally calm. Everybody needs to calm down. I am so calm. I'm not hysterical. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. These people have lost it. I'm not making it up. They've lost it. 
They, they, this is, uh, it's, it's, it's getting harder and harder to see how we find our way out of this mess without having to, I don't know, have some kind of real nationwide sit down and chat with each other about, Hey, everyone, you need to get it together a little bit here. We just played that group of different people from the media. They're all like, oh, my God, it's the worst thing ever. Oh. There's a lot of bad things happening all over the world. Uh, some kids that are separated from their parents for a few days while, you know, the government has to figure out what to do because the parents made the decision to break the law, folks. Let's not forget that. They know it's illegal. They know they're not supposed to do it, and they're breaking the law. This isn't that they're not they're not victims of circumstance here when they're at the border. And that no, no, no. And now they're just, they're piling on even more. I see here in the New York Times, separated families won't be reunited immediately. Oh, okay, so now it's not fast enough. Now the change in policy is not fast enough. And then they're going to they're gonna claim that the detention of parents with children violates other laws. And then they're going to say that if they keep the children beyond the detention phase uh, that mandated in the Flores consent decree, then they're going to, you know, they're just, they're going to tie this up into legal knots. Ultimately, they just want everyone from Latin America wants to come to America to stay. That's it. Democrat voters, line them up, bring them in. That you will not hear Democrats say people should be turned away at the border because they will not be honest about it. By the way, there there was a CNN reporter um, who uh, was down there at the border asking a Border Patrol agent what is what is going on. And here is how some of that went i think i think cnn was a little surprised here to actually get a bit of ground truth as to what's going on here here is what they they came upon play 14 please don't think everybody understands what's actually happening down here you have a lot of these kids that are coming here and put through through terrible terrible situations by their parents and all this can be avoided if they just go through the port of entry. If you guys have seen some of the stuff that we've seen down here, you would understand just how important it is to have a tough stance to divert people from coming here. When you see a 12-year-old girl with a Plan B pill or with uh, their, their parents put her on birth control because they know that getting violated is part of the journey, that's just a oh. terrible way to live. That's right. They're, they're putting children in situations they're being sexually abused. So the parents get to come into America. That's what that Border Patrol agent just said. That's tough. That's on those parents, by the way. They're making those decisions. Not the, I mean, the abuse is obviously on the abuser, but they're making the decisions to put these kids in situations that are risky to their health, to their safety. They're putting them in danger. And there are other ways, there are other ways to try to come to America. There are other ways to do this. They're, they are choosing to skip ahead and break the law. Because the Obama administration decided that it was better to just allow them to break the law than to enforce it. That's how we got into this current circumstance. But this border patrol agent continues on, dropping some knowledge on CNN, which CNN obviously hates. Play 15. I can tell you with absolute certainty that they're being treated humanely. Nobody saves more lives along the southwestern border than the U.S. Border Patrol. These kids are traveling solo across two or three countries, and when they get here, they're reunited with the families. And uh, to me, that's mind-blowing because you can't do that as a United States citizen. You can't send your your five-year-old kids to ride on top of a train through three states, and when they get there, they're coming back to you. You'd get prosecuted. Yeah, that's right. He's saying it's child endangerment, folks. We want to talk about child abuse? Telling your your eight year old, you know, go hop on this train and go link up with this, you know, this coyote 
and and they'll bring you across the border and hopefully they won't leave in the border to die of exposure. Hopefully they won't sexually abuse you or sell you into slave trafficking and uh, or human trafficking. That's child abuse. But, oh, you know, we can't all oh, the poor immigrants and everything. By the way, immigrant is a legal term. These are illegal aliens, folks. These are people who are breaking the law. We are losing sight of that in this whole process. Uh, here's what Tom Cotton had to say. Play 19. It's very important that we protect our border. We cannot allow a child to be a get-out-of-jail-free card and a get-into-the-U.S.-free ticket. Um, but at the same time, as you said, as we've all said, we'd like to keep families together, keep them together at the border for the orderly and timely processing of the adult's immigration claim. If it's a lawful, legitimate claim, we can admit the family into the country. If not, they'll have to go back to their home country. That means deportation. That's what he's saying. You know, The, the Congress is supposed to vote on this, I think, tomorrow. Republican bills are being pushed around, right? The good lot, yeah, good lot bill, Costello bill, all this stuff. And and here's where that's going. Absolutely nowhere. Democrats won't sign on for anything. Democrats have one focus and one focus only when it comes to immigration amnesty. They want as many illegals as possible to stay in the country forever. They want you to have to pay for the goods and services that those illegals will rely upon in this country. And if you disagree with it, if you don't like it, they want to tell you you are a bigot, you're a xenophobe, you're a bad person. You hate babies, you hate foreigners. That's what that is the Democrat Party's position, whether it's official or not. I don't care. That is their position. Some of the Republicans on this aren't really all that much, uh, all that much better uh, than than the Democrats. I got, I got to say, it's uh, you cannot trust Paul Ryan on immigration. He is not good on this issue at all. Play clip twelve. Additional funding is also going to be made available so that DHS has sufficient resources to house and care for families during this entire process. This is obviously something we discussed last night with the president at our conference, and I hope that we will be able to pass this tomorrow. Bottom line is this. We are going to take action to keep families together while we enforce our immigration laws. Problem is that this is a concession that, one, is not strictly speaking legal, right? The executive order doesn't really change the laws as they exist in the books. And these whimsical utilizations of executive authority aren't a good way for any of these problems to be settled or solved because it doesn't settle or solve them. It just sets you up for the next executive to come along and say, no, I think it needs to be this way. I think we need to do it a different way. But Ryan and, and many of the Republicans out there they, they talk about the laws. They talk about being tough on this. They want a huge expansion of guest worker programs. Uh, they want amnesty for the illegals who are already in the country. They are not they are, they are not concerned with what this will do to the political character of the United States. They're not concerned with anything other than what does the, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and, and what do the business interests, the donor class of the GOP, what do they want here? And the answer is an endless supply of cheap labor. We keep hearing that the wages of American workers are not keeping up with inflation. They are stagnant. Meanwhile, the country is getting wealthier and wealthier all the time. There is a wealth disparity here, my friends. I'm not going to pretend that it's not a an ag- a gap that is being aggravated all the time. You know, those who have capital and the means of growing capital versus those who are trying to make a living and get out of the lower rungs uh, of the em- of the employment and wage scale. You know, try to pull themselves up. It's getting hard for them. Because when you have to compete with these vast pools of labor that have lower expectations for job, uh, for, for wages, and, and also can get paid off the books in many cases, 
That's a huge advantage, right? A huge advantage for the employer. Don't have to deal with all that liability if you're not going to actually have enforcement actions where you can get in trouble for uh, employing illegals. Well, then you're going to see more of this, right? Although I did see here that Immigrations and Customs Enforcement has arrested, according to the Daily Caller, uh, 100 people at a uh, meatpacking plant. You need interior enforcement, too. This is not being discussed enough. If you want to shut down the incentives for illegal immigration, interior enforcement has to be at the top of the list. You're never going to be able to stop. Even if we got an amazing wall, the most beautiful wall that Trump could ever possibly build, it would not stop everyone from coming into the country. We would still have illegals, hundreds of thousands of them probably, overstaying their visas. We have a half million visa overstays a year. I mean, this is, you know, people say, oh, we're not Europe. Actually, we had a big debate off camera uh, at Brett Bitters in front of a bunch of people, so I'm not betraying any confidence here. There's a lot of people in the room. It was was public in that sense. We had a big debate with uh, one of the the panelists, Mara Eliason, who's from uh, NPR, I think, or something, or one of those places. You know where she's from, Producer Mike? I don't know. Smart lady, but, you know, Democrat. And, and we have this big debate. She's saying, we're not Europe. We're not Europe. We're this huge country. We can take in. We have so much land. We can take in so many people, so much resources. And I say, yeah, but no one's saying we are Europe, but we see the dynamic happening in some of these European countries. And we don't want to replicate that at the national or local level here. Right? There, there is a reason why people believe in national sovereignty there's a reason why the political culture of a country is something that has to that can only be replicated by the people in that country and that assimilation has to be a small percent or or requires immigrants to be a relatively small percentage of the overall population and it takes time right the americanization process is a beautiful thing we do a better job with immigrants than any any other country in the world uh you know we, we we love our legal immigrants they're, they are a, 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 an essential part of the... They are the American story in many, many ways. I mean, there were settlers as well before them, but that's legal immigrants. The 20th century, post-World War II model of immigration has been, we have a massive and growing welfare state, and also we're bringing in a lot of people from the third world, a lot of people that have different uh, cultural expectations for their society that we do and that if you have enough of that over time it can change the political character of a people you know make your own thought experiments with this too you know the the netherlands a relatively small country 15 or 20 million people i think something like that in total if you bring in a million people from iraq into the netherlands that changes things there it's going to feel like a little bit of a different country i'm not saying the whole thing is gone and changed i'm not saying it's, it's necessarily good or bad but definitely a change our leadership class in this country or those who think they are the leadership class you know the democrats and a lot of republicans along with them seem to be of the mind that there is nothing that there there is no change in the character of this nation that is going to result from having over 10 million and who knows what the real number is 15 million i mean people keep telling me they know the number i don't believe they know the number of immigrants from one other culture Latin American culture, and pre- predominantly one other country, which is Mexico. That's different than having an immigration policy bringing people in from all over the world. That creates a massive political voting block. All right? And this is a country that we have you know, differences of opinion with on trade and other things. I mean, you know, the U.S. US and Mexico relationship is contentious in a number of ways. 
cartels are flooding our streets with drugs, killing tens of thousands of Americans through overdoses every year. Uh, tremendous amount of violence and corruption and poverty that we are dealing with that flows over our border from Mexico. And we have a very large voting block in this country now of people who are either immediately related to or tied to illegal immigrants or just view illegal immigrants as a reflection of their own experience here. And the Democrats are exploiting that to the hilt It is so shameless. But this is what they do. Because, yeah, Nancy Pelosi really cares about illegal immigrants. I mean, she cares about them if they're you know doing her yard work for her. I'm sure she doesn't know their names. I mean, she cares about them doing manual labor for her. She wants to pay them very, very little. But other than that, I promise you, Nancy Pelosi does not care about illegal immigrants in any meaningful way, illegal aliens in any meaningful way. Um, and uh, with that, I, I want to hear from some of you. We had a lot of lines lit. I got to check and see what we got now. Might have a spot or two open. 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. We are rocking. Let's talk about something no one's talking about. Do you know who the vast majority of these children are? They're not part of a family unit. These weren't children taken away from the parents. These are children that were smuggled into this country by criminal organizations. So these parents already separated themselves. Most of these kids get released to an illegal alien parent or relative here in the United States. The decision was made by that family to put that child in the trunk of a car or back of a tractor trailer, hire a criminal organization to transport that child to the United States. But the U.S. government's a bad guy. We actually take pretty good care of these children that come in our custody. So that, that's, not, that, that's, yeah. not, that's not being talked about who these children really are. There you had uh, uh, ICE, form, what is former ICE Director Homan or still acting, sorry, acting Director Homan talking about the situation. We got a bunch of calls. I want to take some of them. Uh, John up in Alaska. Hey, John. John going once. Hi, uh, how you doing? I'm good, John. Thank you for okay, calling. Okay, I, I radio like show. A- Anyway, I came up with an idea uh, that will work, and we could do it today, and we could then um, stop all people crossing the border. If we said we're going to build it as a building, then it becomes a construction site. If you have just a wire fence, they're going to break it to come in. You got breaking and entering. There'll be felons, and you can immediately deport them. So you're talking about the wall. The, the wall, right. Yeah. The entire, okay. The wall built as a building. As of today, if we said we're doing it, then anyone crossing the border could be arrested as a felon. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for calling in, John. Bill in West Virginia, what's up? Hello, Bill. Hi. Thanks for taking my call, Buck. Thank hey, you. Uh, is there anything for stopping Trump from taking and sending troops to the southern border of Mexico, trying to get an agreement with Mexico? And stopping them there, the law would be Mexico's law to handle them, right? Uh, wait, if we if we militarized the border and had the what the yeah. National Guard doing border enforcement, is that what you're talking about? In in Mexico at their at their southern border. Wait, at Mexico's southern border, I'm getting confused. Right, right. Here. we we protect Korea's border, don't we? In in South Korea, so why why couldn't we protect Mexico's border? Get an agreement with them. If they don't want to agree, then we tell Mexico we're going to put tariffs on your stuff until you do agree to let us put troops on your southern border. Huh. So like the border with Central American countries? One thing that is interesting about this is that the Mexico has a very strict has very strict policies for its own immigration and who gets to stay and what happens if you overstay visas. But Bill, thanks for calling in from West Virginia. 
Bill was thinking outside the box there. I, I wasn't really able to follow all that close, but hey, it was outside the box. Big hour coming up, hour two. Summertime, if you want some gear that's really going to turn heads, going to be comfortable, and going to represent your values and what you care about most, Nine Line Apparel is for you, my friends. Nine Line is a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. They have lots of different styles and designs that are all about patriotism and love of country. They support the military. They support first responders. They also aren't, aren't afraid to call out the lies of the left and do so with bold designs that celebrate their love of this country, their love of freedom, and their support for the troops. Go check them out for yourself. Nine Line Apparel offers a wide range of gear and accessories. Visit NineLineApparel.com and use the coupon code BUCK20 to save 20% off your next order. That's NineLineApparel.com, coupon code BUCK20, B-U-C-K-2-0. Use that at checkout at NineLineApparel.com. You'll get 20% off, a great deal, your next order. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small make, make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. Thank you for being here. It is an honor. It is a privilege. It is the best part of my day, getting to hang out with all of you. So thank you very much for that. We are living in a time of anti-Trump mass psychosis. That is my diagnosis of America right now. It is just like nothing else I've ever seen. I never imagined it could be this bad. And you're seeing it all over the place. I'll give you some examples just from today or last 24 hours. Uh, this, This made the rounds. A congressional intern saw that the president, remember, this is the president of the United States. This is an intern, okay, summer intern. Saw the president was meeting with Republican congressional leadership on the Hill and decided that uh, this was a chance to be a hashtag resistance hero and be wildly disrespectful to the uh, commander-in-chief, to the duly elected president of these United States. This is what somebody who's spending their summer at least it might be a congressional aide, which would be even worse. But spending their summer in D.C. to work in our nation's capital, in the Capitol building, to learn about government, yada yada, all that stuff. Here's how that person acts when I think it's a she. I can't tell, but I, I'm assuming it's a she uh, by the voice. Uh, sees the president in our Capitol building. Play the clip. Screaming it out across the Capitol. Mr. President, F you. This is this is what being a hashtag resistance hero means these days. That's all it takes. Just be crass, be disrespectful. No honor, no decency, no integrity. Be a Democrat. That's what's going on these days. Be a progressive revolutionary. Just curse at people. Treat them terribly because they disagree with you. Act like they're subhuman because they... Don't believe in a collectivist future determined for all of us by our betters in the elite media and academia and all the rest of it. There is a a clear derangement. Trump derangement is a mass psychosis, as I've said. Uh, And we had another example of this today from the actor. I I didn't even know this guy was. 
Peter Fonda, who said of Baron Trump, who's like 10 years old, I think, 10 or 11 years old, actor Peter Fonda from his official Twitter account wrote, quote, we should rip Baron Trump from his mother's arms and put him in a cage with pedophiles and see if mother will stand up against the giant a-hole she is married to. 90 million people in the streets on the same weekend in the country. Uh, that's what this guy, Peter, quote, end quote. That's what this guy, Peter Fonda, uh, wrote. Yeah, lock, lock the president of the United States' son in a cage with pedophiles is what this guy writes. I mean, th- this is, this is, I, does it sound like I'm overstating to call it psychotic? This is psychotic. These people have a problem. This, this is not, this is not a, reasonable disagreement this is they're sick sick in the head and are are willing to just seemingly say or do anything as long as it bashes the president of the united states as long as it is a means of of hitting out at trump and trumpism and and those of us who support trump this is getting uncomfortable You you know tucker carlson tweeted something out last night that i thought was you know tucker's been doing a really great job on his on his show lately uh, but this was particularly uh, a worthwhile sentiment. And I, look, I think it, it I'm not going to say it echoes what I do here. That might be a little self-aggrandizing, but it's a similar sentiment to a lot of what I've been telling you. This is what he wrote on Twitter. What's on TV is a political tactic. This is about the whole immigration crisis, parent separation debate. What's on TV is a political tactic, but something else terrifying is going on. Formerly responsible people suddenly sound like extremists. Uh, The left's no longer working to convince those who disagree. They're trying to destroy those in the way. It's not a pose. They're sincere. It's war. I don't think that's overstatement. I think we have entered an age of ideological and political warfare. Where all that matters is victory and vanquishing the other side. And that means fellow Americans here. Uh, that's how the Democrats are approaching this. That's how the left is treating these issues of policy and, and just the whole notion of a Trump presidency. And I'll tell you this. I, I saw I was over at the White House today uh, doing an interview and meeting with some folks. And I saw some CNN people over there. And, and I do like some people who work at CNN. I have some friends at CNN. I think that CNN is guilty of not just constant dishonesty i think the whole venture is dishonest now uh, because it is an extension of the democratic national committee it's a, an extension of the hashtag resistance and pretends to be an objective news organization which is just laughable and a lie but i i also realize that the whole thing it makes me they make me uncomfortable now in the sense that i don't want to talk to i don't want to talk to cnn folks about what i think is going on i, I feel like i can't trust them because with the exception of a few of my friends that I, I know well enough that but just, you know, in casual peer to peer professional conversation, because I think some of them have been infected by that same ideological virus that forces or that brings interns to yell F you to the president that has pushed some celebrities to saying the most heinous things imaginable about the president, about the president's son, about the first lady. And and this is now breaking down the the basic camaraderie and sort of honor among journalist thieves that I think one would expect. I I can't trust the the CNN uh, the CNN hashtag resistance squad. 
I can't tell them what I'm thinking or what's going on or anything else because they they are treating this like a war. They are at war with the administration. That is that is a fact. CNN is trying to take down this administration and to end it. MSNBC is doing the same thing, but at least they're doing it from the, you know, they're in uniform, so to speak. They are wearing the uniform of enemies of the administration. Fine. You know, we need to fight them and defeat them on the on the battlefield of ideas and, and communication. But CNN is, though, they're, they're standing there saying, oh, no, we're neutral. We're Switzerland. CNN is the is the news equivalent of Switzerland that's like firing artillery shells in their next door neighbor all the time. Like, no, no, we're neutral. We're neutral. But they're only attacking one other country. They're only fighting for one side, but they pl- they pretend to be neutral. It's a gig that should get old very quickly. And any American who's paying attention should know what's really going on here. But people like the they like the myth. They like the delusion. They like to buy into it. Uh, but but Tucker is right. This is now turned into ideological war. This is why I say that CNN's the enemy of truth. It's not just them, by the way. There's other networks, too. Other publications, New York Times and Washington Post will not be happy. No matter how many Emmys or not Emmys. God, I don't even know what these things are called. Pulitzers. <laughs> Emmys, too. But no matter how many Pulitzers they, they give themselves. Uh, they they won't be happy until they have finally gotten even with Trump. The only way to get even with Trump is to humiliate his supporters, uh, make the culture so toxic that none of us can enjoy any peace and quiet if we support Trump, and to end his presidency, to bring it down. That's what they're trying to do. So very, very troubling. I do want to talk to you with a little follow-up about the United Nations from yesterday and how we're finally speaking truth to the U.N., which I think is a very, very good thing. Uh, and then also I've got some thoughts on the inspector general report. And then the third hour today, we are going to get into uh, all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff. It's going to be amazing. Oh, don't forget, by the way, we're putting up the Freedom Hut podcast, the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. Please subscribe. Please download it. Share it. It's a huge vote of confidence for the show. If, if all of you listening live across the country on radio or even on playback on this podcast, please download that podcast. It is different. It is new. It will be up tonight. We'll be right back. In the office today at the Hill, some of the folks I work with saw me. They said, Buck, why aren't you using the coffee that we use? Because I was rifling through my K-Cups for Black Rifle coffee. And I said, because I like delicious coffee and freedom. I'm not into that commie swill that all the rest of you are drinking from nameless international conglomerate coffee co. I'm all about the Black Rifle, my friends. Check it out for yourself. Go to blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Coupon code BUCK15 will get you 15% off. Again, blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Coupon code BUCK15. Silence are smooth these days. Probably my favorite, but I'm also really into Freedom Blend. And there's also just caffeinated as F. You'll see they've got all these different varieties. Even decaf if you want some decaf coffee, which I do on occasion. Blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. Coupon code BUCK15 for 15% off. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. President Trump wants to move the ball forward. From day one, he has called out institutions or countries who say one thing and do another. And that's precisely the problem at the Human Rights Council. It is a massive source of embarrassment to the United Nations that some governments with egregious human rights records sit on the Human Rights Council. We have no doubt that there was once a noble vision for this council. But today, we need to be honest. The Human Rights Council is a poor defender of human rights. Worse than that, 
The Human Rights Council has become an exercise in shameless hypocrisy, with many of the world's worst human rights abuses going ignored, and some of the world's most serious offenders sitting on the Council itself. The United States, which leads the world in humanitarian assistance, and whose service members who sacrificed life and limb to free millions from oppression and tyranny, will not take lectures from hypocritical bodies and institutions as America selflessly give their blood and treasure to help the defenseless. Love this statement today from Nikki Haley uh, at the U.N. And, and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They're a dynamic duo on the foreign policy stage, I must say, uh, doing a very good job. I, I was a supporter of Pompeo's. I supported him in, in writing when he was up for the nomination for Secretary of State, and I think he's doing a great job so far. I'm, I've got high hopes for him. But let's just think about this for a second. How is it controversial to pull out of the Human Rights Council at the at the United Nations when when I, I told you yesterday that Nikki Haley was giving them warnings like stop, stop all your Israel hating, stop all this stuff, and they wouldn't do it. And now you've got Haley and Pompeo saying that it's a cesspool of political bias. And I'm like, yes, it is a cesspool. But that is accurate. That is true. That is what is going on here. And so how is this such a shock? Oh, my gosh, they're leaving the U.N. Human Rights Council. They used to call it the U.N. Human Rights Commission, as I told you, but they had to abandon it because it was such a joke. You know, this is this is craziness. Got these countries that have no, no reasonable expectation they should even be on any U.N. Council, other than I guess they're technically countries, right? Doing such bad stuff. Uh, and, you know, the Human Rights Council has 47, uh, 47 member states tasked with upholding human rights. What does that even mean? One thing about the Trump era that I really like is we're allowed to ask questions that people used to say, oh, it's a dumb question. And now it's like, no, no, no. Let's ask the question. Let's wait for an answer. You know, why should we just accept Chinese trade policy and not do anything in response? I, I want to hear an answer, not just. Free trade is the best. Free trade is the best. Okay, well, trade's not free right now because China's got a whole bunch of tariffs in place, obviously. So what should we do? Free trade is the best. Free trade. You know, this is the, this is the mantra. This is what's been going on. And with the United Nations, because the left has unfortunately come to dominate academic foreign policy circles for a long time now, they have convinced people that anything that's UN-related is worthwhile. That's not true about any that any you know, multinational endeavor or major corporation or something. Not everything they do is worthwhile. Not everything the U.N. is up to we should be a part of. And if we disapprove, as we clearly do, of what's been going on with the Human Rights Council, why wouldn't we step away from it? You know, I, I understand at some level people are, are probably like, and you may be sitting there too, like, you know, Buck, who the heck cares? It's the U.N., right? Well, I just care in so far as it reflects the philosophy of the Trump administration and this particular era of politics we're in where we get to challenge the conventional wisdom. What we keep finding out time and again is the so-called smart set, the conventional wisdom of those who would have laughed at Trump's positions on trade, on immigration, would have would have laughed at his notion that there could be a meeting and perhaps a new way forward with Kim Jong-un. They are wrong again and again and again. And instead of having the capacity for self-correction, the progressive left and the coastal elites take this position of 
doubling down, right? They go deeper into their echo chamber. They go further into their progressive bunker. They, they don't want to deal with the fact that's, that they're baked in assumptions. The assumptions that they have held about a lot of issues are really assumptions that, that they have kept because of what they think it means for them personally, right? I, you know, I believe in climate change because I'm a smart, good person who cares about the environment. Do you know anything about climate change? No, of course not. I believe in I believe in free trade because smart people say they're in favor of free trade. Okay, I'm in favor of free trade too. Do we have free trade right now in the country? No, we don't. So do you want to get beyond just saying I'm in favor of free trade because that's a nonsense thing to say? Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, other countries aren't sending us their best. Oh, terrible! It's so racist. How could you say anything? Well, it turns out Canada, Australia, there are countries that have point systems in place and base their immigration on merit and trying to create an immigration system that benefits the citizens of the country already. right? That puts, you could say, the interests of the citizens first, and not just the international community or the whole global order or whatever it is they want to call it. These are all positions, these are ideas that in a pre-Trump era would have just been roundly mocked, ridiculed. Now we're seeing that this is changing. It's changing all around. And the UN, just another example of this. The UN is a feckless bureaucracy. I know people have worked there and spent tons of time there. What has the U.N. done that anyone can point to right now and say, yeah, that's okay. They do some charity in some places. Guess what? There are a lot of charities that do charity. We don't need a U.N. for that. The pathological hatred of the United Nations is really a blight on the international community because it shows us that, look, the Muslim world is just still rife with anti-Semitism. The Muslim world, not just a couple of countries here and there, there is Far too much anti-Semitism within Islam today. It is a really big problem. And anyone who says otherwise has not spent any time in Middle Eastern countries and talked to just your know, average folks in the street about, if you heard what your average Cairo cab driver thinks about Jews, I think a lot of you would be really appalled. I'm always reminded of of the uh, the story that a friend of mine told me uh, years ago that he was at the movie and some of you have heard this before so apologies for the digression but so a buddy of mine who's also an arabic speaker spent a lot of time overseas and and left to center not a not a conservative but he was at the movie the kingdom which takes place in saudi arabia and there is a a sequence in the beginning you know, the beginning of that movie that's really violent and and very jarring where a terrorist cell attacks a an oil uh, international oil compound, you know, Americans and Brits, uh, and it's just machine gunning men, women, and children at a baseball, at, at a softball game, at a picnic, and you know, explodes a bomb, and they're just ma- just mass murder of, of defenseless civilians. And my friend told me that he was in this theater in Cairo, and during that scene, the whole theater stood up and wildly cheered and clapped. As Americans on screen, men, women, and children were being mowed down with machine guns. Now, I know it's fiction. I know it's a movie. But come on, folks. There's something wrong there. There's, there's, a, there's a real problem. And just like I'm telling you with Israel and the way that all these resolutions, whether it's in the Security Council or the Human Rights Council, there's such a focus on Israel, Israel, Israel. And it's because you have a lot. You know, the Muslim world comprises a lot of states, dozens of states. They have created this narrative of international, uh, internationally recognized victimology for the Palestinian people, and they just constantly pound on Israel. And, and it, you know, we, we shouldn't stand for it, and we're not going to stand for it. 
And also, by the way, pound on us. And, you know, they I think they said something about our border or two. And, you know, like like we need to hear from any of these U.N. countries. Please step off. OK, why don't you just say thanks for keeping the world a peaceful, prosperous place and like make us a sandwich international community. America doesn't really need it. I don't really want to hear the garbage from countries that have more than their fair share of problems or just don't carry much of of of, of the weight of the international order at all either. Those are my thoughts on all that. I've got to talk to you about the... Uh, I, so here, here's what's going on. I've got a big interview coming up, I think tomorrow, might be Friday, where I'm going to get to ask some questions about what's going to happen with the Flynn interview, information around that. This could be one of the biggest... This could be bigger than the IG report itself. This could be something that really blows a big hole in the hull of the deep state. If we can get this information, and I'm speaking to people that are in the process of trying to get it, we'll, we'll get into some details in just a moment. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. You said last night James Comey is going to jail. I believe he is. I believe Comey is on his based way to on, jail. based on the way in which he initiated the, uh, the probe with a illegal leak. I, don't, I have no idea why he hasn't been investigated about it before. Apparently, he's being investigated now. Uh, the way in which he and McCabe have contradicted each other. Somebody's lying. Uh, his deception about what he did with FBI three hundred twos. That's a three hundred two. The thing that he wrote. Uh, he's he, he's gone as a witness for anybody in anything with any credibility. It's hard enough to decide whether to indict or recommend uh, some criminal action or recommend that somebody did something wrong. It's hard enough to do that when you've got a completely objective staff around you. When you have guys around you who are saying, uh, stop the president, America must be saved. We have to stop him at all costs. You, you can't possibly trust that. I can't see a court allowing them uh, any of our indictments to go forward, uh, any report of theirs to be issued. Unless this gets solved. Rudy Giuliani is right when it comes to uh, the, the trajectory of this investigation and and how the deep state rats are running from the ship, folks. They are running for cover because we are finding out just how corrupt they really were. Uh, th- this notion that James Comey should be that, that any of his work on the investigations having to do with Hillary Clinton's email or Russia collusion. How could we trust anything he's done? How can we give him the benefit of the doubt based on what we know, not just from this IG report, but from everything, his actions in the press and the public eye? Uh, he's obviously a very strange fellow. I think he's obviously also a quite dishonest and dishonorable fellow. And we are seeing it, it emerge here that there was a senior cabal. I said this months and months and months ago. In fact, I can tell you, I used the word cabal on TV And later on, I heard that the White House won't say who exactly, but give you one guess was like, that's right. That's the word cabal. They liked it because it was true. It's not about all the FBI. It's not about hiding among the rank and file and acting like this is a war on the FBI. It is about finding out the truth about who tried to stop Trump from being president and who wanted to bail Hillary out and make her president. Now, there's something else, though, that I think is going to be explosive when it hits i can tell you that we are we're scheduled on my tv show which is 
uh, hill.tv slash rising. For those who haven't seen it yet, rising is the show. Uh, I can tell you that we are supposed to have on uh, Mark Meadows, who is the Freedom Caucus chair, to talk about a number of issues relating to this investigation, but specifically the Flynn guilty plea and what happened around it. Because here's what we're here's what we need to know. The FBI 302s, right? The FBI 302s are the handwritten record of the meetings that they conduct, the field meetings that the FBI agents conduct. And they do not want to share the 302s from the Flynn investigation with Congress. And here's what I'm hearing from my sources. Okay. And and now I'm down here in the swamp, folks. It is a whole new layer, a whole new chapter in the Freedom Hut saga because I'm like, I, I was over at the White House earlier today. I'm I'm leveraging. I love New York. I miss New York. And for those of you who live in in Austin or Charleston or any number of places across the country, uh, I'd rather be, you know, hanging out with you in your city than here in the deep state. I'm just I'm I never can get really comfortable in D.C., but I'm leveraging this as best I can so that I have the best information possible to bring to you and to bring to light for the sake of the country. And what I'm hearing, and some of this has already been reported on a bit, but I'm telling you I've got greater confirmation of it from my own sources, is that the FBI agent who conducted the interview with Flynn wants to come forward. The FBI agent who was the one involved in the actual, not struck, right? There was another one, a career FBI agent. He wants to come forward. And they're, they're playing all kinds of games at DOJ and FBI to prevent this from happening. Because here's what I think we would find out if we got to see those. Remember, 302 is the written account of the meeting. In this case, the meeting with General Michael Flynn, incoming National Security Advisor Flynn, when they did not think, the agents sitting in with him did not think that he lied. And then it looks like likely McCabe although we don't know that yet, came out and said, no, no, you got to throw a 1001 charge at him. Whether it was McCabe or Mueller, somebody from the top level came along and decided to reevaluate Flynn's statement of, uh, Flynn's statements around the Sergei, Ambassador Sergei Kizilyak call and decided they could get him with a prosecution. Folks, I know I'm, I'm getting into the weeds a little bit here, but let's just speak plainly. We may be finding out soon And I believe we will find out beyond any reasonable doubt that they did Flynn dirty. That some of these deep state elements wanted to take Flynn down, send a message to all the rest of them, and figure that they could get Flynn and Manafort and others to roll on Trump and his people. And before anybody would be the wiser about the aggressive tactics, the unethical tactics they used, they would have already taken out all the people with prosecutions that they need to uh, so that, you know, they, they look, this is all about revenge against Trump for Hillary and, and also stopping what many people in the bureaucracy seem to think is a, an existential threat to their, you know, their sense of their role in the country and their power. And same reason the media hates this guy so much. And the same reason that, that so many, the journalists, overpaid, pampered journalists have just completely lost their minds over this whole situation, right? But think about this. We may find out soon. We're, I'm going to have Mark Meadows on. I'm going to ask him, and I'm going to also keep pulsing my sources. It's great, too, because people are like, yeah, Buck, I think I can trust you because, you know, 
You used to, I'm like, yeah, because I was CIA. And it's like, no, 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 that's not why. They just know they can trust me. And it's true, right? I, my whole thing about, about sources and source protection is I've, I've, I am used to thinking of that as, as an honor issue, never mind a professional issue, as a safety issue, too. So people will talk to me about stuff. And I'm getting some great info down here, folks. I'm going to be able to, you know, it's, it's really cool that I'm partnering up here with The Hill and doing this show because we're going to be breaking big stories. The network that we've been able to put together, look, the network that I have here from my previous time. Remember, I used to live in the swamp. I used to be a D.C. creature for years. Some of my folks, some of the folks that I knew back then, I'm quite, quite close with, they have now risen in government. They are rather prominent and powerful in the government. And they know that I'm a patriot. I love this country. I'm trustworthy. I'm a man of honor. And they want to make sure that I know what's going on. So... That's the upside to my swamp adventure so far. And uh, anyway, with, with Mark Meadows, and this will be, I, I believe, uh, either tomorrow or the ne- or tomorrow or Friday uh, on Rising. But with Mark Meadows, I think we're going to be able to ask him, you know, are we going to get the answers? Will Congress subpoena whoever the FBI agents were in the room with Flynn and their assessment initially? And can we find out whether it was McCabe or... Mueller, who came along and said, you've got to charge that guy. You, or, you know, you have to bring a felony perjury charge against General Flynn and why that decision was made and how it was made. It, and if we find out that that was a political hit, friends, we are going to go bonkers, as we should, as we should. The deep state's getting scared on this one, I think, as they should. So that was last night because you have these uh, these imbeciles that call themselves the Democratic Socialists of uh, D.C. or something like that who wouldn't allow DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen to sit down and have dinner at a restaurant here in D.C., right? Mere blocks from where I'm doing this broadcast right now. Folks, I'm, I'm right in the swamp. I thought I was in the thick of it when I was in New York City. Let me tell you, it is... Way worse. The progressive insanity is way worse here. At least New York, there's a lot of capitalists. You know, there's a lot of commerce in D.C. Everybody thinks everybody thinks that they're you know going to be a combination of George Clooney, Stephen Colbert and like a civil rights hero. You know, that they're just all going to be some big deal. Their policies matter. Their opinions matter. And activism has become a lifestyle anyway. So Nielsen sat down last night to have dinner at a restaurant and this this group called Metro D.C. Democratic Socialists of America. You heard them there chanting, shame, shame, shame at her. Uh, and and I, I just have to say that uh, they're idiots. I hate when people do this. I hate this notion that, you know, a public figure is not allowed to have private time. It's such a childish, disgraceful thing to do. It really is. It's It tells you all you need to know about the people that, hold these positions that they would 
uh, shout down. By the way, it's a, it's a woman. You know, this is a mob essentially that forms in this restaurant. They tracked her down, and a mob forms and starts yelling at her while she's trying to have dinner. I mean, is she not allowed to eat? There are lines here, folks, right? We all know what they are. There are lines of decorum and decency, and the left just doesn't obey any of them. And this is why I don't want to hear it when they say, oh, Trump used a bad word. Yeah, get your left-wing psychopaths in line, Democrat Party. You know, tell the Democratic Socialists of the metro D.C. area to do something worthwhile with their times and show some show some class, show some dignity. There's so many ways now to have your message heard. You know, you can organize online, have your protest, do whatever you want, but don't hound and harass somebody. And remember, this wasn't a press conference. This wasn't this was like she's sitting down to have dinner in D.C. And, you know, this one day might feel a little personal for me because, uh, you know, I got to tell you, if, if I'm on my own time and somebody recognizes me from conservative media world, which, you know, all these progressives don't really watch much conservative media, but. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm I'm not going to deal very well with people trying to harass me in public, and you know, and I and I wouldn't deal well with seeing others who are either part of the administration or are part of spreading the conservative message, seeing them be harassed and attacked and and treated uh, as though they don't get to have any any rights, any any sense of of peace and and quiet, you know. They were yelling at Nielsen, how dare you spend your evening here eating dinner as you're complicit in this separation uh, and, and deportation of thousands uh, of, of, of 10,000 children separated from their parents. One protester yelled, how can you enjoy a Mexican dinner as you're deporting and imprisoning tens of thousands of people who come here seeking asylum in the United States? By the way, a handful of other diners saw this happening and clapped for them. I, I know that they aren't listening to this. They're probably busy, you know, watching MSNBC and you know, wa- watching all that garbage. Or, or they watch CNN because they think they watch real journalists. This is the funny thing about CNN. People watch CNN because they think they're smart, and that's what smart people watch because they're real journalists. But what I say is that the people who watch CNN and believe that are just too stupid to realize that CNN is actually a Democrat partisan hack outfit. So that's the irony of that situation. Uh, but... You know, this is there are people in that restaurant who were cheering for these these imbeciles. These protesters were live streaming this, putting it out there and everything else. And then you have the idiot brigade that chimes in here, too. So in response to this tweet, DHS Secretary Nielsen just got driven out of a Mexican restaurant here on 14th Street by activists. And Anna Navarro writes, are there no Norwegian restaurants in Washington, D.C.? What a bizarre, idiotic thing to say. I mean, I've said this. Anna Navarro, I think, may be the dumbest person on television who is paid to give opinions on things. She's definitely in a in a very specific subset of, wow, you have nothing of intelligence or worth to say whatsoever. But she plays a character. She plays a role. And CNN loves to have her go and attack people. And just, you know, this is uh, and they let her they let her run wild on TV. Man, she can do whatever she wants, say whatever she wants. Uh, among the most unpleasant people off camera also I've, I've ever dealt with in television, uh, you know, has a very high self-regard and a very, uh, very uh, small degree of intellectual merit on matters of politics and policy. So anyway, Byron York, who is smart and a good writer and has things to say, 
uh, wrote, Meanwhile, CNN's Anna Navarro suggests Nielsen, a Florida native, should stick to her own ethnicity in choosing restaurants. I think Byron's spot on here. That That is what Anna Navarro did. She said, why can't Nielsen, basically, she said, are there no Norwegian restaurants in Washington, D.C.? So now if you believe in law and order, remember, Navarro's a, a well-paid, highly publicized CNN, I don't know, she's not an expert. I guess you say she's a pundit. She, doesn't, she has expertise in nothing. Expertise in saying how much she loves Jeb Bush and bashing Trump, right? That's about it. And she she says this and then doesn't have to stand up, you know, stand up for it or anything else. She claimed that, you know, Byron York must have missed or whatever. You know, she says she was not referring to Kirsten Nielsen's ethnicity in are there no Norwegian restaurants in Washington, D.C. tweet. <sighs> you know, just such a stupid thing to say, but. I think it's reflective of a broader mentality now, too. You know, th- there's a, a kind of left-wing, illegal, a- pro-illegal alien absolutism that is creeping into discourse now. And I just want the I just want the Democrat Party to have to finally be honest about the fact that they are an open borders party. That is what I want. That's my request at this point. Just say what you are. Admit that you want open borders. That is your preference. That is the policy that you want. And then we can have discussion because what they leave us with otherwise is what we've got now where, oh, we're going to leave laws in the books, but don't enforce them. If you enforce them, you're a bad person and we won't let you change them. We won't let you change them. Uh, you know, the modern Democratic Party, Democratic Party Day is just a, is a, a complete joke. Unfortunately, it's a dangerous joke that I think is doing a lot of very bad things to the country. But it is it is a it is a joke. And a bad one at that. Uh, so anyway, Whew, man, you can tell this stuff really annoys me. I, it's it's tough not to see this as a conservative. Look, I know I'm not the DHS secretary. I get it, right? I'm not trying to get too big for my britches here. But as a conservative, you feel like, so at some point, if, if my career grows or if, if my friends that work in media, if we're out, and some of them who are very recognizable, some of the ones that I hang out with, people would know who they are, uh, would I be able to... Uh, Sit down and have a dinner and, and have a chat with that without, you know, Antifa showing up and trying to ruin everything. I think that's a fair question. Or the Democrat Socialists of D.C. or whatever these complete buffoons call themselves. All right. Hour three is coming up. Team. Stay with me. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make, make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The Southern Poverty Law Center was wrong to include Majid Nawaz and the Quilliam Foundation in our field guide to anti-Muslim extremists. Since we published the field guide, we have taken the time to do more research and have consulted with human rights advocates we respect. We've found that Mr. Nawaz and Quilliam have made valuable and important contributions to public discourse, including by promoting pluralism and condemning both anti-Muslim bigotry and Islamist extremism. Although we may have our differences with some of the positions that Mr. Nawaz and Quilliam have taken, they are most certainly not anti-Muslim extremists. We would like to extend our sincerest apologies to Mr. Nawaz, Quilliam, and our readers for the era, and we wish Mr. Nawaz and Quilliam all the best. Apology not accepted, you jerks. 
I'll say that on behalf of Majid Nawaz. So l- let me let me take a step back here, folks. This is important because this goes to the heart of one of the issues that we talk about here on the show night after night, which is that the left is engaged in a campaign to destroy the political opposition. They can't convince the American people to go along with them. They can't actually persuade enough Americans to their side of the debate. So they're just on a search and destroy mission for heretics. As I would say, they're not looking for converts. They're hunting for heretics. Southern Poverty Law Center is a lean, mean smear machine, an absolute disgrace. And it's cited, oh, CNN, oh, Southern Poverty Law Center says this. Oh, Southern Poverty Law Center says that. I don't give a crap what the Southern Poverty Law Center says about anything these days because they are completely and utterly indefensible when it comes to some of their designations. Uh, they so, so this is also now, this is coming to light because not only have they gone after Majid Nawaz, who's a former Islamic radical who I've interviewed, I've done shows with him, very astute, cerebral guy, actually also, I believe, kind of a liberal on most issues, but Majid will go around and say, no, the creed of Islam is a problem for us here, folks. Not all Muslims are a problem, but some Muslims take the creed and use that to become a very big problem. So Majid is just honest about this stuff, and they hate him for it. You know, They want to destroy him because of his honesty and because he confronts them with a guy who is brown, Muslim, or you know, has kind of become an, something of a, a critic of the faith, obviously, uh, and and understands what he's talking about when it comes to the Quran and radical Islam, a former radical himself. They, as was said there by the, uh, I don't know who that guy was, is the, the CEO or the general counsel. I don't know who that guy is, but you know, well, that was an official statement from the Southern Poverty Law Center. They've also included Sam Harris. For those of you who don't know, has a podcast called Waking Up, and you know he he's a neuroscientist also a liberal on a lot of policy issues but we'll have the difficult conversations about what science tells us that social scientists want to pretend doesn't happen isn't real sam harris uh was mentioned in the southern poverty law center which is a site that'll track stormfront and these other true extremist groups he was mentioned because he spoke to charles murray who is a the, the author of the bell curve and has just written scholarly work on IQ testing and what IQ tells us about social policy. Here's a hint. It drives the progressive left completely up the wall. I mean, they lose their minds when you start looking at the voluminous data on IQ testing and what the, the, the relevance to aggregate life outcomes and IQ testing as it affects different groups. Here, here's one headline for you from Charles Murray's book. Uh, highest highest IQ of any group tested Ashkenazi Jews. Uh, so, also Asians have a particularly high IQ in the aggregate. But you know they, you know you talk about that and people are, oh they start to get really uncomfortable. So they put Sam Harris uh, on the Southern Poverty Law Center as being kind of close to or, or talking about um, extreme extremism, uh, doing things that. You know, oh, Ayan Hirsi Ali also, another critic of Islam. Essentially, if you become an enemy of leftist orthodoxy, this organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which claims to be about combating bigotry and and promoting and protecting civil rights and, and fighting against racism, has just become an attack 
dog organization for the left. And now the reason they they had that statement, by the way, the press doesn't want to talk about this because they love quoting the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's just a fake, objective, uh, left-wing ideological attack site, right? Pretends to be objective. SPLC wrote a three, or has to write a $3.4 million check for defamation to Majid Nawaz uh, for including him. Here's what they said. Former Islamist and self-described counter-extremist Majid Nawaz appeared in the SPLC's 2016 Field Guide to Anti-Muslim Extremists for using his platform to savage Islam. Okay, those are quotes, folks. So now if you criticize Islam, SPLC might say you're an anti-Muslim extremist, even if you're a Muslim. And they'll put you on the same site where, you know, we generally think of like the Klan and neo-Nazis. And, oh, but it's not just Majid. As I said, Ayan Hirsi Ali is a woman with an incredible personal story. Uh, if you have not read the book Infidel, and I've said this on the show many times over the years, please, please get a copy of Infidel. Read it cover to cover. It is a fantastic autobiography. Tough to read in some parts in terms of the the subject matter. It's really it'll really affect you. It'll really bother you. But you should know the story. Now, she's an incredible woman, brilliant. And the left hates her because she is black. She is a former Muslim and she goes to town on Yes, radical Islam, but also the Islamic faith as it's practiced by far too many people today. So she is a threat to the notion that the diversity obsessed left uses that all religions are the same. All religions are equally problematic and all the rest of it. Uh, But other groups that the Southern Poverty Law Center is going after the Family Research Council, which is a Christian nonprofit, has been classified as a hate group. Okay, a hate group because of its stance about gay marriage. Um, and in fact, in 2012, they don't talk about this much, do they? A gunman who read on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website that the Family Research Council was a hate group went up and shot up the group's uh, headquarters in D.C. That's right. SPLC created a violent extremist. Isn't that interesting? The Center for Immigration Studies. Mark Krikorian, a frequent guest on this show. Mark Krikorian and his group have been targeted by the Southern Poverty Smear Center, which is what we should call it from now, the Southern Poverty Smear Center. Uh, and, and then I also mentioned Ion Hersi Ali. It is, it is just absolutely appalling that this group, by the way, has raised over $300 million. Okay, it is a scam. It is not what it says it is, and it is a left-wing attack group that needs to be confronted. And, you know, any news organization that starts, you know, that, that, that puts this in articles that will cite Southern Poverty Law Center in articles is being either, either they're just ignorant or being deeply disingenuous. And I'm just happy to finally see that there is some degree of uh, some degree of, of justice that is coming after a long time uh, for this group that is, the thing is, they're a hate group. And the, the, the Southern Poverty Law Center says that they track hate groups, but they have become a hate group. They are hateful toward Christians. They are hateful toward those who are critical of Islam. They are hateful toward conservatism and conservative values and conservative values. Uh, and, and I, so that's why I say, you know, I do not accept the apology of their, whoever that was. I think it was their director, but it doesn't really matter. You know, I, I do not accept it. 
Um, they should be ashamed and they should be held in uh, they should be held in contempt. The Southern Poverty Law Center should be held in contempt by all people of goodwill and good faith across the country. It is a it, it is a uh, a lie as an organization. And um, you know what's next on the list, folks? Gotta gotta take down Media Matters. And, and Media Matters is a disgrace. And Media Matters tries to end careers, tries to put people out of work based on ideology and. It's also operating really as a fraud. It pretends to be a public education foundation when it's just a, a it's really a pack. It's a political action committee. And it just goes it's it's a dirty tricks outfit at that. It goes after people. And uh, you know, m- media matters. I think it falls under the category of a 501c4. Uh so it it's a it's a non-profit on top of everything else. You know, it, 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 you know I'm sorry. It's an IRS tax-exempt 501c3 uh, organization that is all all it does is just malign conservatives engage in constant character assassination and it is just a giant steamy pile of rhinoceros crap okay that's what that's what media matters is let's be honest most alarm companies stink they try to lock you into long-term contracts get all kinds of stuff in the fine print and they don't even provide you with the kind of hands-on, digital, all-encompassing security service that you need and want. That's why you should just put all that aside and go with Simply Safe. Simply Safe is the best in home security. They work hard to earn their customers' business, and instead of relying on tricks and fine print, they treat you right. They rely on good service and a great product to earn your business. I've got Simply Safe at home, and I can tell you it is so easy to use, so user friendly, and there are thousands and thousands of reviews online you can check out for yourself about what a great company this is and how easy to use their home security system is. That's simplysafe.com slash buck. Go check it out. Simplysafe.com slash buck to protect your home and family with an A plus security system. Simply Safe, S I M P L I, safe.com slash buck. We can call this the anatomy of a CNN ambush. This is how they do things over there. I I got caught in many a CNN ambush in my day. They pretend they invite you on as a conservative to have a discussion about a topic. When in reality, the host is going to box you in, not let you refute any of the points. It's going to turn weirdly personal. And you're actually there as a conservative just to have fake news CNN Pretend to be having a balanced conversation when in reality, you're a clay pigeon. You're just there to get blown out of the sky. So here's how the setup works. You've got David Gergen, sure enough, although he won't be in this clip. I know, you're sad, you're sad. Immigrants, Nixon, Reagan administration, Nixon, Ford, CNN, fake news. That entire cover story has unraveled in 48 hours, and now we're left with an administration. Uh, I mean, what's different about this administration from Johnson and Nixon? There he is, gurgling with Gergen, baby. Anyway, uh, Steve Cortez, who used to be a Fox contributor, now he's over at CNN a lot, and Maria Cardona, 
who was always very clear to make sure she pronounced it Cardona, just because that's how she tends to pronounce it. And she'll remind everybody that she's an immigrant. And I used to occasionally uh, debate Maria, and she is a straight-up, rude talking points machine without a, a single ounce of intellectual heft or integrity to anything that she says. So Steve is in a no-win situation here because on top of it, see the way they construct the segment, you've got Aaron Burnett. It's on Aaron Burnett's show. She's a liberal pretending to be a journalist, right? Aaron Burnett, liberal pretending to be a straight-line journalist. Jake Tapper, liberal pretending to be a straight-line journalist. Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, etc., etc., right? So... She's there, and you, she's going to jump in and pile in on Steve. Be like, you know, just just make sure it's very clear to the audience. Steve is the bad guy here. He's the heel. You know, he's the he's the jobber. He's the guy who shows up to the wrestling ring to get body slammed time and time again. And Steve's a smart guy, by the way. But it doesn't matter how good he is. He's set up to fail here, and you get a sense of it with this. What Steve is saying actually breaks my heart because it underscores a complete and total lack of understanding whether you don't care about it, Steve, or you just don't get it and don't know the facts. I don't know. I don't know which one is worse. These immigrants, and I am an immigrant, Let me I am a Muslim. Let me finish! I come they're not from immigrants. A they're, come... they're invaders. Let they're not finish. immigrants. Let me finish. They're not they're immigrants. Let me finish. They're invaders. I did not you. You come you here I did not interrupt you. You're an they invader. are immigrants. Invaders? They are immigrants. Okay, wow. Steve. When you... I... Now, you might have seen there, you had Burnett, you had Cardona, uh, and and Gergen just on his face, oh, was the most upsetting thing since Watergate. Watergate was a thing of the Nixon administration. But you can tell everyone's against Cortez now. And then it just turns into a combination. This is what all CNN debate segments become: combination virtue signaling and dump on and shame the conservative. Shame the conservative. Here's what happens. I am an immigrant. Wow. I come from a country who has also seen the kinds of atrocities that these families are fleeing. I know this firsthand. A family does not wake up in the morning that comes from these countries and they are fleeing certain death, Aaron, to say, oh, I think it would be fun to cross the, the border on a life-threatening journey with my children in tow to see if I can break into the United States. Now, for the We Separate Bananas from Apples network, you know, this is an apple, this is a banana you would think that maybe the anchor there, Aaron Burnett, would challenge the fact that these people are fleeing certain death. They are most certainly not fleeing certain death. There have been hundreds of thousands of them who have come into the United States using children as the means of getting access into this country, of exploiting a loophole in our immigration policy. And many, many, many thousands, tens of thousands of them have said they are fleeing either domestic violence, which is not an asylum claim. Uh, should not be treated as an asylum claim, uh, gang activity, which is not something that should be treated as an asylum claim, or they just say, we want better economic options, want to be in America. America is a better, richer country, which, while true, does not mean that you just get to be here. So if they were all about facts, the anchor would say, well, hold on a second. They aren't all fleeing certain death. That's a false statement. You could even say that's a lie from Cardona. But you see, it's not about getting to the truth. This is the CNN scam playing out in real time here on the show. 
They come here because they have no choice. They are facing certain death and they want to. Ah, I wonder when the anchor is going to stop this monologue and allow the conservative to actually say to something. Give their children a better future on every conceivable level and by every measure. running out of words. This is an abomination. It is dictatorial. It is inhumane. It is diabolical. And that is why you have supporters of President Trump who have been with him on everything up until now. His evangelical leaders so, are saying that this is disgusting and it should stop now. Almost like the conservative wasn't there, right? You'll notice that, see, see what happens is the anchor jumps in, kind of shouts down and shows the, shouts down the conservative, shows the audience that the conservative is the bad guy. And then as soon as that little dust up clears out, uh, as soon as the dust clears from that exchange, then what you have is, okay, okay, let, let's let the Democrat now set the record straight, win this round, make the conservative just sit there like, oh, is she saying mean things to me? I can't say anything back. And just sit there and get hammered on national TV. This is how they play the game at CNN. There's, there's no effort at, at fair time or, or fair debate. It's, it's a complete and utter farce. And you just, I see it play out time and time again. And because I've been involved in it, and I've been on the receiving end of these kinds of ambushes, although I'm a little cagey, so they couldn't ambush me as much as they wanted, which is one of the reasons why. You'll notice some of them just never had me on their shows. Anderson Cooper never had me on on his show in, in two years of getting paid to do CNN. Why? They had complete clowns on that show on a regular basis, right? Jake Tapper never had me on his show. Two years. Why? Well... I think they realize that uh, they don't know which direction the buck is going to go in and they don't want to get on the wrong side of a buck debate on air. I would smoke those fools. And I think they know it. I think the whole CNN squad knows it. The only way they could do it with me was to put me on a panel, shout me down, talk over me, not let me get my points in, go to commercial, have the anchor double team me. They do it to other people. And, you know, it just bothers me. Steve Cortez is a good guy. I feel bad that he's over there having to go through this. Now, they do the same thing to my buddy Ben Ferguson, another good guy who they just hammer him at CNN. Don't give him a real fair shot to, to talk uh, to talk back. Uh, and I, I just get tired of it. The whole thing is such a CNN is the enemy of truth. And I will continue to pull apart how these segments work. So you really understand the mechanics of the ambush. And the, this is really the guts of fake news. This is how fake news is made, folks. This is how fake narratives are formed by these news networks, and CNN is the worst offender. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. I mean, look, I, I read today about a 10-year-old uh, girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. Wah, wah. I read about a, a, did you say want-want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome what being I taken from her mother? What I said is you can pick anything How you dare want, you? Up, but the bottom How line is very dare clear. You? When you cross absolutely the border dare you, illegally, sir. you How have dare you? The- you know, I got to tell you guys something, and, and some of you are going to disagree with me on this, and it's fine, okay? But I'm just, I'm keeping it real with you. I'm giving it to you straight because we're friends here. You who listen to the show, you are, uh, we are all part of a tribe here together in the Freedom Hut. It's what, it's what we do. So I'm just going to tell you this. I really don't need to see any more of these, honestly, these 
failed former Trump associates, uh, politically failed. I'm not passing judgment on them as human beings, but I don't need to see the people that washed out of the campaign or that lasted a week or two working for the White House, making the rounds, explaining politics to us. All right. I I, kind of feel like we've got this phenomenon going on of, you know, if if we were having a conversation about, let's say, what's going on at at a university or at a college. And we kept having these people appearing on TV who were expelled from the college in the first semester be the ones that are supposed to explain to the rest of us what's going on. I, I'd like to see that stop. And I think you know who we're talking about here. I, I, I do not need former Trump associates who did not last, who don't bring much to the table out there speaking for this administration or conservatism or the Republican Party because I just think they do more harm than good. Now, in this exchange here with Lewandowski and a guy who uh, he looks like Moby. I don't say that in a mean way, but he does, uh, who goes on Fox a lot. Uh, uh, Zach is his, is his first name. Uh, he, he look, he looks like Moby. I don't know. People say I look like a whole bunch of people. Anyway, I, I just don't like having to clean up the mess that's left behind as a conservative, as a Republican, as somebody supporting Trump. I don't need to clean up after Lewandowski, you know, grabbing at people or whatever, or, or saying stuff like this. I want to clean up after the mooch. And, you know, I feel like we have to sometimes, you know, they, look, he's talking about that guy, uh, Zach Petkanasis is his name. And he's he's talking about a child with Down syndrome. Come on, Corey. That's not the time to bust out a womp womp. Show some freaking sensitivity. All right. You know, we're, we're talking about a particularly uh, serious situation of children with Down, uh, children with Down syndrome who are being separated from their parents, at the border. You know, I know that there's a lot of demagoguery around the border debate. I know people are getting sick of all the media lies on this one. But, you know, one, show a little sensitivity to that. I mean, I I think that that's fair to say, right? I, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to say about other. You know, don't be a jerk, man. I mean, we are talking about, you know, kids. I, I feel particularly protective, and I know all of you listening do, too. For anybody who's has, has a difficulty like that, you know, anybody who's uh, been born with a, a, a tough condition, whether it's Down syndrome or something else, you know, it's incumbent upon all of us to protect those folks, to elevate them, to love them, to treat them well. So, you know, Corey is just messing up here. And now he's not apologizing. I'm just like, Corey, just say, that's not what I meant. I wasn't referring to that child. I was referring to Zach's demagoguery and I got caught up. You know, I, I should check on this. Maybe he's already apologized. I saw this earlier in the day. He wasn't apologizing. But, you know, I, I just... We don't need the C team going on TV representing Trumpism right now. We just don't need it. And people need to not let the Democrats uh, trip them up or or also just look, if you're going to go on TV and you're going to be representing Trump and, and the GOP in any capacity, try not to be an, an idiot. You know, try to not do that. I'm just a little frustrated. I don't know, Corey. You know, I don't know anything about him other than what he does on TV. But this was this was bad, man. Say you're sorry. Don't do that. You know, Down syndrome kids are sacred. Don't. You know, he made a mistake. That's just my take on it. People can say what they will about it. Uh, I want to switch gears here and get into a roll call in just a minute. Stay with me, team. Ain't no party like a team buck party because a team buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. 
it's time for Roll Call. All right, team. We're going to get into the emails today for our Roll Call. That means if you want to be a part of the next one, official, official team buck at gmail.com. Please do also subscribe to the Freedom Hut podcast, the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. It is up. It is out. It is amazing. You can find it in the Apple Podcast Store. We're also going to put it up on Stitcher soon, but uh, please, please do Give it a listen when you get a chance. As many of you as possible, even if you're not a podcast listener, if you're just a radio listener, please do check out the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. All right, into our inbox here. Lindsay writes, hey, Buck, really enjoying the new morning show. It's so refreshing to see actual civil discourse. You mentioned your appreciation for international cuisine last week, so I wanted to give you a recommendation as a now-displaced D.C. native. The Swamp has some of the best Ethiopian food in the U.S. I highly recommend Dukum in the U Street Corridor. For your gluten-free listeners, Ethiopian cuisine is largely spicy stewed meat, veggies, and egg served on inyara bread, which is like a giant delicious gluten-free pancake that doubles as your fork. Congratulations on your ongoing success and new media endeavor, Lindsay. Lindsay, thank you so much. Very, very kind of you. Uh, you are correct. I've been to Dukem. I went to Dukem over a decade ago. Uh, so I, I've been on the Ethiopian cuisine uh, side for a long time here. I, I think Ethiopian cuisine is great. Uh, and yes, D.C. has a very large uh, Ethiopian popu- Ethiopian-American population. And so there's a lot of Ethiopian restaurants here. And I do indeed like it and think it is quite delicious. Uh, next up here. Daniel writes, Buck, my brother, how have you not seen Blazing Saddles? Daniel, I know, man. I know. I know. I need to see some Blazing Saddles. I will get around to it soon, I assure you. Guile writes, Buck, I heard you talking about minimum wage increases yesterday and would like to chime in. More people need to realize that every increase just separates the rich from the poor. The minimum goes up. The cost of living goes up to match it. But my check remains the same. Now the money I make will not go as far, so basically we are getting rid of the middle-income class. I thought your uh, balloon analogy was good, but not descriptive enough. Well, thank you, Guile. And, and yeah, I, I went over it pretty quickly, but uh, minimum wage sounds great. Everyone wants people to make a little more money, workers get a little more, bigger piece of the pie. Unfortunately, the real results of minimum wage increases do not uh, accomplish what many of the proponents want them to. So that's something we need to... Keep in mind. Uh, do somebody from name do D O U X writes friggin Remember your mom's listening, Buck. I, th- I think mom, mama Sexton is okay with friggin, you know, or freaking. I think, I think we're allowed to say that word. I don't know. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. Uh, and do also wrote rising. Very good stuff, brother. And yep. Rising filter down to local talk radio around here. That was quick. Oh, Wow. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad. Uh, look, we're, we are trying to do something different, folks. If you want pure, legit, straight-up, unfiltered buck where I don't have to worry about being polite or not hurting anyone's feelings or anything else, that's what you're, you're already here. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is where we do it. No one can get in my way. No one can say, oh, no, sorry, buck. We have to go to commercial break. Sorry, no, 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 no. I'm, uh, can I respond to that horrible comment that that moron you put next to me on this TV screen said? Up, 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 up. Nope, got to go to break. Got to go to break. Here on radio... The lies cannot escape the buck. And that's why I love it here so much. It's my favorite thing to do. It always, it always is, always has been. Um, and, and getting to chat with all of you is the best part of my day. I really mean that. Uh, but Rising has been great so far. You know, we're having some really lively discussions. By the way, you're going to see a lot of young 
conservative and liberal, but conservative talent, because I'm in charge of that side of, of, the, of the Rolodex. Uh, we had Antonia Okafor on today. She is great. You're going to see a lot more of her. Uh, she's very pro-Second Amendment, very involved with uh, you know promoting uh, gun rights. You see her in some NRA stuff. I mean, she's great, and uh, really hoping to see more of her. I got a whole list of folks. You know, real news on the Blaze, which some of you listened to back in the, or watched back in the day. If I sat here and told you all the people that came through real news and now have gone on to bigger roles in media, you'd be like, wow, it's almost like Real News was the farm team for not just Fox, but mostly Fox News and a lot of other places. People that in their early day, in the earlier days of their career, and in some cases, the beginning, the very beginning of their career, that were my either co-hosts, co-panelists, or, or guests on Real News include, well, obviously co-host, S.E. Cup, uh, Amy Holmes, Tara Setmayer, Will Kane. Um, also guests, you've got Guy Benson, Katie Pavlich, Jedediah Bila, Ellison Barber, Pete Hegseth, who's now on the Fox and French couch every day. Uh, I mean, and that's just who comes to mind immediately. Ben Dominich, who now runs the Federalist. I mean, these are all people that were part of that real news family in the, in the, from the early days uh, on the Blaze TV. And I'm going to recreate that here with Rising. We're going to have the youngest talent and when i say youngest by the way i just mean the folks that aren't already on abc and you know this week and all that stuff right we're talking about under 40 nah and maybe under 45 uh because they you know those folks need to get some reps if if we're if we're looking for you know carl rove has got plenty of time on on the big channels he doesn't need he doesn't need to come hang out at rising so anyway but i'm excited about that part of it because i really like being involved with people that are building their careers and that are making a splash on the scene all right, next one here. Uh, Daniel writes, Hey, Buck, love the show. I've been listening for years. Now that you're stuck reading this, you have homework. While you're in D.C. alone, <laughs> watch Boondock Saints and Blazing Saddles. It is unexcusable or inexcusable that you haven't seen these classics. You are in danger of having your man card revoked, shields high, and remember, it's always in the reflexes. Well, it is indeed always in the reflexes. And and I I will I will get around to both Boondock, I'm going to tell you, Boondock Saints will be first, because that, that sounds like it's a little more up my alley. Blazing Saddles, I'll check out when I get the opportunity, but it will happen soon. Clay writes, hey, Buck, I'm excited about your new show from the Swamp. However, I think it may not get through to the liberal audience, being that you, a man, is a conservative, ho- uh, conservative voice, and your co-host, a woman, is the liberal voice. No matter how well you explain the conservative point of view, you will be wrong and the crazy liberals will tune you out due to mansplaining and perhaps even toxic masculinity. But good luck with that and keep up the good work. Well, Clay, I hope, I hope that's not true. And, and one thing we're really trying hard to do on the show is not, we, we, always, we joke around, but it's really become a mantra. I will not try to own the libs and Crystal will not try to shame the Republicans. You know, that's not what we're going to do. And we're going to see. We'll see how far we get with it, see how well it works. It's not always easy, folks. You know, it's, it's sometimes you just want to be like, what? You know, that's crazy. And you, know, you want to go down that whole thing. And you know I can do that. I've done that in other places. I'm down to fight. But, you know, think about it this way. When you're a boxer, you got your you got a sparring partner, and then you got the big bout. You're not going to try to knock your sparring partner's head off, right? That's just not what you do. And in this case, it's like I am Crystal, and Crystal is my sparring partner on these issues. We're not going for knockout punches. Uh, doesn't mean that we won't go for knockout punches other places. Like, for example, here on radio, it just is a, it's a time and place difference about the way that we're presenting the content. And if you want to see it, you haven't had a chance so far, 
hill.tv slash rising on any mobile device, any computer. All you need is internet, folks. No subscription, no payment, none of that required. Hill.tv slash rising. Uh, Chuck writes, Buck, thought you might like this. My German son sent me this during the Bill Sexcapades. Apparently not all euros were cool with their behavior, and this is from Chuck. And all right, Chuck, thank you for sending it along. People can't see it, but uh, appreciate that. Eric writes, correct Scooby-Doo quote, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Hat tip to my 16-year-old daughter. Uh, daughter. By the way, I've been a, sa- a fan since the real news days. Well, thank you, Eric, for being early Team Buck squad. Appreciate it. Great to have you on. Really uh, very much thankful for all that. And uh, let's see what we got here. Alex writes, hey, your face. You know, I'll tell you something. Miss Molly, I told her the your face story, which I have to give credit to my friend Steve, really my, my, my right-hand man all through high school. Uh, he was the one that would do your face. And it's so dumb that it's brilliant. That's the best way I could describe it. You know, well, I, I disagree with them. This policy matter. Yeah. Your face. Sounds like it doesn't. <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't work, but it, it kind of takes the tension out of it. I, I don't know. It kind of settles things down. Gary writes, Buck, great show. I listen uh, via podcast the following morning. My coworkers sometimes give me a funny look when I laugh out loud when Hillary talks. I think you should spend a few minutes per day reading from her book, What Happened? Using your impersonation. On another note, last night's roll call had a listener named Andy who recommended the acapella group No uh, Straight No Chaser. I went to YouTube and listened to them. They sound just like you making fun of acapella groups. It was so funny. More laughing out loud. I'm with you. No more acapella. Step away. Gary in Ohio. Shields high. Thank you, Gary. It's just, guys, just step away from the acapella. I like the way you work it. No diggity. I like to bag it up, bag it up. You know, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Telling you, stay away from the acapella. Scott writes in, thanks for your podcast. Now I can listen to you 2 a.m. after work. The story of the hammer smashing the Muslims in France was fascinating. P.S. If I were a swimwear contestant, the ugly ones could wear a scuba outfit with wetsuit, mask, and fins. Hmm. All right, Scott. Well, thanks for liking the uh, Charles Martel the Hammer. I I know I we have kept Shields High up as a uh, podcast because one people can always listen to it. it. Never goes out of style. If you haven't listened to Shields High, go check it out on iTunes. Uh, but also, we will get back into it. I just I am at my max capacity right now for time. I I just got I got nothing left right now, so uh, I'm I'm working on it. Uh, next up here. Um, well, actually, you know what, team? We got to leave it there for today. Um, leave it there for today. So there we, uh, there we will, there sh- we shall depart for the moment. Uh, like I said, please do check out the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. It's gonna, it's gonna be a little, you know, we're gonna kind of get it rolling. I'm gonna, I've got some guests that'll be joining in the future and everything. But for right now, it's just kind of a Buck unplugged, Buck wild segment, you know, or, or, or show where I'm just gonna talk to you about some things on my mind. Uh, this week, we got appearances by Kami Bear and also my review of Cobra Kai thus far and some general martial arts 80s talk, so that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, with that, I'm going to let you all get back to everything else you've got going on. 
But join me same time, same place tomorrow, my friends. As always, no matter what comes your way, Shields High. In business, information is everything. If you want to make the best decisions possible, if you want to know whether you should allow that lease to be signed for a property you own or bring in that employee that you've been searching for for weeks, perhaps even months, you got to make sure you've got the right people to have your back when it comes to background investigations and vetting. That's Global Verification Network. Global Verification Network is federally certified as a veteran-owned small business, and these guys are headquartered here in Chicago and do it all here in the U.S. of A. A lot of their competitors, a lot of the background and vetting companies out there will send stuff overseas. They have no real control over the data, the servers, or the people working on the cases. Not so with Global Verification. They will have somebody answer the phone when you call and tackle any problems you need. Go to mygvn.com. That's mygvn.com or call 877-695-1179, 877-695-1179.